What the If is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Where power plays are a thing of the present. Power lunch. It's too early for a power lunch. Power breakfast. The power breakfast today. Um, my co-hosts are here, as always. Gabby Panicia from Rockefeller University. How are you? I am doing good. Yeah, it is a gross day here in New York. Gross as in... Um, but That's an adjective or, or uh, an evaluation of the size of the day? <laughs> no, no, it's sort of just an adjective. It's, it's like one of those really gray days. It's not, it hasn't fully committed to raining. It's just sort of foggy and, and, and gross. Oh, it's I just believe that's gross. what we call British. It just seems very... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. British. This is kind of a British day. Apologies um, to the British. I did not Oh, mean no, they, they would say yeah, the same. It's overcast and... And gross, and you feel the urge to go invade France. Uh, <laughs> uh, that uh, that upstart, that young upstart, is uh, Matthew Stanley, historian of science at uh, New York University. How are you, sir? Um, I'm fine. My my invasion armada is about ready to go. Um, so if you want to right. warn the French, uh, feel free. And you know, living down there by the battery, um, you know, you're ready to defend the city. Should should there be That's right. We're well equipped. Back. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard, I was listening to uh, a good friend of mine who's actually going to be a guest on our show uh, in the future coming up. I'm excited. Joe Scott, who's a, another science communicator. He's on YouTube. And he just did an interview with Brian Cox, the great uh, British, kind of the car- oh, yeah. kind of current day Carl Sagan of, of Britain. And uh, Brian Cox said uh, that you can define all of uh, life in the United Kingdom by saying uh, it's somebody staring out a window and saying it wasn't supposed to rain today. Yeah, that sounds um, right. Super pumped for our guest uh, today. Um, who we're just going to jump right into. Uh, uh, I discovered uh, Lee and I connected on Twitter. Um, a product of uh, SpaceX, I think it is now. I don't know. I can't keep track. Elon Musk's, it's soon to be known as Elon Musk's Twitter, TM. Um, but yes. uh, I love Twitter and uh, discovered Lee. And uh, I'll read a little intro here and then Lee will bring you in. Uh, Lee Allen uh, Dugatkin uh, is here. He's an animal behaviorist, evolutionary biologist, and historian of science. So Matt, you and Lee can confer on that. Okay. Uh, Lee is at the d- Department of Biology at the University of Louisville. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly. Absolutely. Lee will tell us in a moment. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Louisville. I'm from Maryland, so you know we're particular to our pronunciations. Um, he is an author of more than 150 papers and the author and co-author wow. of many books, including uh, The Altruism Equation, Seven Scientists' Search for the Origins of Goodness, um, and uh, I don't think we're taking an opposite tack to goodness today, but his newest book, which is the subject of our if today, uh, is titled Power in the Wild, 
the subtle and not-so-subtle ways animals strive for control over others. Lee, welcome to The If. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, it's also miserable down in Louisville, so I feel like we're all, we're all suffering the same fate. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, I'm so psyched to have you, as I mentioned. You're, this book, um, it's got... I suppose it's from University of Chicago Press. I'll mention and uh, available everywhere, and um, I suppose it 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 qualifies as an academic work of literature. Is that correct? Um, but, I, I I would say it was it's de it's definitely meant to bring science to the general public. It, it, it it's. My academic, right, my right. academic friends would seriously disagree with you on what you just said. Um, oh, okay, so it, it, it's then we're on the right track. <laughs> it, it's stock full of science, yeah. but but it but but it's 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 meant to 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 reach a very general audience. Okay, great. Because what I was going to say is, for a work of academic uh, literature, this is one of the best titles I've ever heard. Oh, so I think you, <laughs> kudos, kudos to you and yeah, your your editors. Um, so. Uh, before we begin, um, Gabby, help us understand uh, for those like Lee who have just suddenly stumbled into this uh, cage match called "What the If." Um, what ha what has happened? What what has suddenly arrived on their podcast app? Yeah, so essentially we pick an if, which is a sort of single thing about the universe that we're changing um, and then following its ramifications outward. Um, so we try to apply real science to it as much as possible. Sometimes we have to get a little bit hand-wavy um, in order to really keep following um, the thought experiment where it leads. Um, but at the end, hopefully you learn something neat, and uh, we usually might accidentally sometimes, break the universe. Sometimes happens. It happens. Sometimes happens. Um, and we don't put it back together. We just we, the universe has a self-healing property that takes about no, six days, you know. So that by the time our next show rolls around, things have generally healed. Um, so we'll get right down to it, and we ask, "What the if you suddenly found yourself trapped in a power play scenario?" In between, in and amongst, betwixt and between animals in the wild. Wild animals in the wild. Uh, and the music ends with a big blast here. And I have a great punchline, which I don't. So, Lee, I just toss it right to you. <laughs> That's um, all right. We, we were discussing before the show uh, some, some of the uh, possible scenarios we could explore. And the, one of them you mentioned we can begin with was, I believe you said, uh, ravens in Austria. Yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So maybe not surprising. Um, you look at ravens and um, not only are they sort of gorgeous animals, but um, they're incredibly smart and, and their social behavior is just phenomenal. And so there's a group of people who have been studying uh, a population of these ravens up in a gorgeous area in the mountains of Austria. And, you know, they're out there and they've been they've been doing this for 25 years and they, they know all the birds, um, all the ravens uh, individually and all the ravens know them. And they've been wow. and they've been studying they've been studying the power plays, the power dynamics in, in, in these ravens. And, um, you know, they for for the ravens, it, it, 
a lot of it is sort of screams and, and, and yells and calls that are sort of setting the stage for who's dominant and who's subordinate. Occasionally they'll, they'll go at it a little bit and, um, you know, they might try to peck one of the other birds and it, it can get dangerous, but it doesn't very often. But, but the incredible thing is this team, they've been, they've, They've been studying this for a long time, and and one of the um, lead scientists was sort of watching this and, and and thinking, you know, I can swear that these birds seem to sort of be putting on a play for uh, the the other birds there. That that that, that, that well, it's, it's as if they're on stage um, and they're changing what they do depending on who the audience is. Depending on who the audience and who, what, what, what's the name of these uh, scientists? Can we give them a shout? Yeah, out? sure, sure. Um, so Thomas uh, Bugnier, um, B B U G Y N E R, um, and uh, he's the lead scientist. Um, it, this this place is called the Conrad Lorenz Institute, and Conrad Lorenz was a famous animal behaviorist. Um, I haven't been mm. to this institute, although I've interacted with their group, and I, I from the picture I get, it's absolutely absolutely this um, this this gorgeous place to be doing um, studies of animal behavior. And, you know, so so Thomas was was thinking, you know, it, it just looks to me like they're behaving differently depending upon who happens to be sitting in the audience watching them. And um, and so he and his team began to, um, you know, devise a way to actually look at this experimentally. And, um, you know, they have all sorts of equipment, video equipment and sound equipment. And um, they began they began asking, you know, is this right? Is it possible that these birds are actually when when they're struggling for power, that they actually care about who happens to be not just who they're struggling with, but who happens to be watching them when they're struggling? And it turns out that it does in, 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 you know, incredibly interesting and complicated ways. Um, so how can you tell that a bird is behaving in a way yeah. as to impress other birds? Yeah. Other birds? What's, what's other, different about the, it? The pe- you were saying the people as well, right? Oh, that, n- no, no. So when I was talking about the audience, I meant, oh, I meant the bird audience. That's, uh, that's, the other birds. Yeah, gotcha. that's all we, that's all we gotcha. care about. We don't, that's all we care about is the bird audience. Exactly. Uh, no, that uh, makes sense for yeah, their so own. Yeah. Well, we, when we show our movies, we, you know, we generally, you know, I make movies and I generally am concerned about the human audience, not so much the animal audience. It totally makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. Go ahead, go ahead. Matt, uh, uh, Matt's question. Yes, this yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. So um, it, it, with the ravens, it's actually not so much that they're trying to um, impress as they are um, trying to potentially get help when they're in trouble. So basically uh, what basically what you find oh, is if you've got okay. a couple of ravens that are in a power struggle, they're, they're screaming at each other, they may be grappling a little bit. Um, it's, it's, it's very easy for both the birds and and the humans watching to know who's winning and who's losing among a couple of birds. And the birds certainly know that as well. So what happens is if you're on the losing end of that struggle, then you, what you do is if there happen to be a lot of your friends or family in the vicinity who can see and hear you, you really amp up 
the 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 pleas for help. You basically um, ramp up the volume of your calls and you give these kind of distress like calls. You do that specifically when your friends and family are in the audience, and they will often, in response, intervene and help you in this struggle. But it turns out that it's actually even more complicated than that because. The, the, the individuals who are losing these struggles, it's, they're not just responding to whether or not their friends and family are in the audience. They also respond to whether or not the friends and the family of the individual who's beating them up is in the audience as well. So if it turns out that, it, that, that it's a bad day for you and everybody who's watching and listening happens to be on your opponent's side, then what you do is instead of ramping up the volume and making it very, very clear that you're losing so you can pull in some help, what you do is you shut, you, you, you tone it down dramatically because if you make noise, what you're going to do is you're going to draw attention and attention is going to bring in your opponent's friends and enemies. And that's the last thing that you need to happen right then. And so, you know, what the scientists are doing is they're basically getting data on the power struggles, but at the same time, they're also taking data on who happens to be within, you know, some radius of the fight, you know, within 25 meters of it or something. And, and they know every bird. So they know, you know, what's the audience made of and how, and then you can go back and you can say, do they, you know, what, if the audience is this, do they change? If the audience is that, do they change? And wow. yeah, I mean, it's, uh, the, the, the birds are, I mean, they do all sorts of interesting other things. They form coalitions when they're fighting. They, uh, they, they do everything that you like want. Survivor. Yeah. You, 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 they do everything you'd want in a good movie actually. So, <laughs> yeah. And how do we know a sense in a typical sort of confrontation like this, how many birds are we talking about? Is it hundreds or a oh. dozen or? Yeah, so in, uh, up in the mountains there, um, if a pair of birds are going at it, um, you know, yeah, yeah, you're looking more at um, a relatively small audience, you know, maybe five, ten individuals, uh -huh, not uh -huh, not hundreds uh -huh. up there, and right. um, and the ones that are likely to step in and do something are even fewer. But all you really need um, <laughs> is one or two other ravens to come along and help you or hurt you, and and that's enough to make right. the and, and that's enough to make the difference. Amazing, Gabby. Yeah. Right. So Interesting. one of the things that I think is kind of clear here is, you know, when you're talking about these kind of power plays and power struggles, this is not just like two bears beating each other up over like a really big dead deer. Like there's there's nuance here. This is like within like social creatures that have developed their own sort of, I don't want to say rituals, but patterns of talking. behavior um, around, yeah, just around how they develop mm -hmm. a hierarchy, right? This is not just like who's bigger, who's stronger. This is like, well, how do they play down a little bit when they get hurt? How do they, you know, navigate the social structure that they're species absolutely, have, absolutely. right? I mean, you know, sure, you, th there are examples that we could we could talk about where animals really are just sort of going at it in a boxing-like way. But most of the time, um, and the more interesting stuff is 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 the more subtle stuff, like, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, it, it always matters if you're bigger or smaller, 
but it's all within the context of much more kind of a social milieu, what, what's happening around you um, and your own personal experience and the experience of others and, uh, you know, what group you happen to be. And all of these things um, matter a lot in this struggle, in, in this struggle for power. And, and, and basically, you know, the struggle for power is about getting stuff. It's about getting food. It's about getting mates. It's about getting safe areas to live. And so... How these things play out really matter, and um, and you know, as somebody who studies animal behavior and evolution, you know what you, what you're looking at really is sort of the 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 the, uh, the the incredible ways in which natural selection can produce incredibly sophisticated cognitive kinds of rules and strategies in animals besides humans, and it's being done without language i'm guessing right or what what kind of yeah are they using i mean i suppose they have oh yeah what kind of right, communication body happens language, between I them suppose, but, mm -hmm. but what what do you think what do you... yeah so i mean um it it, it doesn't you know, it, it doesn't include language in the in in the strict sense of the way that we just think about language in humans. But certainly, you know, even right. even even in the example I gave you, um, there certainly is lots of communication going on. So, you know, the ravens mm. are giving different calls if they're winning, or they're losing, and or if they're trying to bring individuals yeah. into a fight. And like you also said, it, um, you know, it matters the way you hold yourself, right? Your posture um, and whether yeah. or not you're sort of on top, you know, physically on top of somebody or underneath somebody or on the side of somebody, all of these things um, that they really matter. I mean, you know, and, and animals are, um, you know, incredibly good at, at using this information. There's a, a, another study that, uh, that I talk about in the book that was actually done um, in uh, the largest, uh, park in Dublin where they have a giant fallow deer that have been roaming the park for uh, these deer and their ancestors have been roaming the park for hundreds of years. And, and, and basically um, one of the things that the deer do is they basically line up right next to each other and they start walking. And what they're doing is they're gauging their relative size compared to the opponents that they're walking um, next to. So if, if you can imagine sort of two big bucks looking at each other straight on, it's kind of difficult to get a really good sense of how large the other individual is if you're just going face to face with them. There's some information, but if you all of a sudden right. li line your body up and do mm. a parallel walk, you can actually see, hey, you know, I, I'm walking with this guy and he seems to be like a foot in front of me no matter what I do, which means he's probably bigger yeah. um, if his legs are, you know, his back legs are at the same spot as mine, but his, but his antlers are two feet ahead of me. That's bad news. Um, and this so, you know, a, this is like Broadway. It's like a, a, almost like it feels like a broad or, you know, a, a ballet or a dance or, a, yeah. you know, the, this striding back and forth and evaluating the other is beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, as yes. far as birds go, we've talked about it before in the show. I think it was like our talk, like the animals episode. Um, birds are vocal. Some species of birds are vocal learners, mm -hmm. ravens especially. Mm -hmm. um, so they learn from watching other birds what calls to make, how to make those calls. Um, and so that helps reinforce, I'm assuming you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that helps reinforce, you know, these structures, these, I guess, 
again, don't want to call them rituals, yeah. patterns of behavior. Um, Absolutely. And, and rituals is fine um, in, uh, because really many of these things are um, – ritualistic in a sense. Um, yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is absolutely true. Um, you know, in birds, you, you get this kind of um, social learning where, where you, you learn, you know, uh, what, what kind of calls to make in, in this context or that context. You also learn what's dangerous and what's not dangerous. And, and this, is, um, this is really good stuff. I mean, there's, um, there's sort of a whole area of research um, in animal behavior on animal culture and, um, you know, and this notion that, uh, you when in Rome, do as Rome, you know, do as Romans. I mean, you basically, you know, you need to understand the, the rules, um, in whatever society you're in. And, and some of those rules are, are different than what in the group you might be born in and you better learn those rules. Um, and otherwise it's bad news. Amazing. You know, Matt, so Matt, uh, Lee, you may not know Matt, uh, it may not be apparent uh, here on the uh, podcast, but Matt is also, uh, uh, are your hands licensed weapons? Is that a correct thing to say, Matt? Okay, uh, unlicensed weapons. Um, but, oh, <laughs> Matt is right. a exactly. double yeah. black belt in karate uh, and right. uh, a sensei. And so, Matt, do you see any relationship here? Yeah, I've got to say, I mean, some of the things you're describing sound a little bit like um, young, stupid guys in a bar on a Saturday night, (laughs) right? They size each other up. Um, It's about posture. Um, It's If they start a fight, it's important that their friends watch them Uh, fight. uh, you know, it's not, and it's, it's not about actually causing damage to the other person. It's about this kind of social status. Um, so I don't know. I'm wondering how different the birds are than us. Um, do we have, uh, is, is it right to think of what the, the ravens are doing as, as similar to what we see, um, among young men here? Well, so, um, I, I want to be careful when, when I answer that question a, a little bit in the sense that, um, so I think there were I think I think there were lessons to be learned here by by sort of studying all of these all of these things in, in non-humans, right? And and I think I think what 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 the lessons mm-hmm. what the main lesson to me is is that if you want to understand you know the barroom scenario you're talking about, or if you want to understand um, things at even a kind of more mega level, like you know why is it that countries go to war with each other? Why is it that we get fights here? Why is it that certain individuals seem much more concerned with power than mm-hmm. anything else? They just, if they want power for power's sake. Um, the way I like to think about it is like, you know, if you, for humans, we have a, we have, we have a sample size of one, there's one species. And, and, and if you want to understand that species, right. you know, that doesn't give you a lot of, uh, statistical power, let's say, to, to do that because you have a sample size of one. But what's going on in the animals that mm-hmm. makes it so cool is that almost every scenario you could think of in humans, we see in in non-humans. It may not have every nuance of um, what's going on in humans, but there are components of it, kind of simpler versions of it. And now all of a sudden, right, you've got 
tons and tons of different species where this is going on. And you can start saying, you know, why is it that in some species it really looks like they're they're having judo fights? But in other species, it looks mm-hmm. like um, it's more like a politician who's after power for power's sake. And in other species, it looks like it explains warfare. And in other species, it looks like it means something else. Very interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So speaking of other species, you mentioned another amazing scenario, uh, which I guess you write about in the book, which is meerkats. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? What, what's that situation? What's happening? What's hap- we, as we switch, we, we now change channel and we switch to the meerkat channel. That's right. That's what right. And we suddenly stumbled upon. Yeah, and we've also sort of moved from the mountains of Austria to Uganda, and uh-huh. um, they're mongooses. They live in these really uh, tight groups. You know, you'll find groups of twenty or thirty over here, and then another group of twenty or thirty over there. And so there's um, a fellow by the name of Michael Kant, and he and his team have been studying in Uganda for um, an incredibly long time. And so um, the meerkats, um, they got a problem. And, and, and the problem, well, they, yeah. So the problem is that um, a lot of their mongooses are genetic relatives, they're family members, right? And so what that means is you have to avoid mating with family members for the same reason you have to avoid it in, in humans, right? You want, you, you don't want any inbreeding problems. Okay. So that means that what you want to do is try and find mates in, a, in another group, So what Michael found was he'd be going out there and watching, and all of a sudden, there would just be two groups that that might have territories near each other. And all of a sudden, they just sort of line up on the border of the where the territories meet. And and it looks like a scrum in rugby. They're sort of, they're just lined straight up and and, and then they go at it. And the way that he (laughs) describes this is it looks like like a a writhing ball of fur. I mean, they are just, you know, they're just (laughs) rolling around trying to, um, uh, trying to beat the hell out of everybody in the other group. Now, that's kind of interesting. Um, it's like this extreme example of, of power playing out. But again, it's so much cooler than that because here's what's really happening when you, when you dig deep down at, at what's going on. All right. So what's happening is females, they want to they mate with somebody outside their group so they don't get all these inbreeding problems. So what they do is they leave their group and they tend to go to to another group close by. And the males from their group, they don't like that at all. So, so, So what they do is they follow their females over into the other group. When those other, when those males go into the other group, that's what causes the giant fight between groups. And what females are doing is while many, many of the males are going at it, they just calmly go over and mate with a couple of the males who aren't involved in the other group. And so- No way. Oh, yeah. So, so, so Michael thinks- So the guys who don't fight, they're, they're lovers, not fighters. Well- And they succeeded. Uh, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean- um, This but, is totally unscientific. Well, no, well, so, but I think like what 
Michael thinks is basically this is an incredible power play on the part of females. And it's sophisticated because what they're doing is they they can't get those mates from the other group in a simple way because their own males follow them around. So what they're doing is they're creating this giant smoke screen where the males from their group are now preoccupied in this all out battle that's going on. And then they just mate with a few of the males in the other group who they might be involved in the fight too, but they're stopping and they're mating. They're mating with, with with these females, and so it's it's this incredible play by the part of the females to to create this giant cover for them to go and 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 mate with who they want to mate with. This is amazing. This reminds me of say at college, you know, at, under the bleachers, you know, there's romance happening yeah. in the middle of the football game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, so they're also really. Um, they're also bringing in all sorts of incredibly interesting technology into studying these animals. So imagine yeah. that you're watching this. Um, it's very, very difficult to basically know who's who when this is going on and it starts. And so what they what they're doing is they are actually um, starting to use drones that will fly over when these battles occur. And the drones then are using artificial intelligence to, to be able to track specific individuals. So when they're lining up, Whoa. you know who's who. And the drones then can artif use artificial intelligence to basically tag individuals then. And then you can, and they can, you can use the software to follow who's doing what. And so maybe we can get at that, 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 that distinction you're making between the fighters and the lovers right now. We don't really know, yeah. but, but, but it might be that some individuals really do kind of sit back on the sidelines and let the others do the fights and, and the drones maybe I will tell us how to do that. I'm guessing Discovery Channel must be all there. I mean, there hmm. there is a series called Meerkat Manor. Is that what it is? The, right? That's right. That the, sounds so great. there's Meerkat Manor. No, yeah, right. Um, right, but... There's a few different ones, I think, about meerkats. These are mongooses. Mongoose. All right, fair enough. Mongoose Manor, even better. There's no Mongoose Manor yet. Um, well, Mongoose Manor has to happen. And I can imagine the color commentary. I mean, anyway, this just sounds amazing with this... this, this <laughs> work that's being done um do they post videos of any of this is this yeah you can uh, yeah the, yes i mean I, my guess is if you googled up um, mongoose battles you would you you would definitely find some videos um and um fantastic yeah no uh, but you know i mean uh, there are people who who's um that are really interested in what this tells us about um human warfare so um there was a big uh year-long kind of conference um, at one of these in think tanks in Germany all about sort of warlike aggression. And they had uh, the people who study these um, mongooses there to basically tell them what was going on so they could, so they could see whether or not maybe there is some, something we can learn about, um, you know, human battles between groups. Um, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, what they uh, decide. They're still working on it. How's that? I, I so <laughs> I, I don't know. I know that they, right, they, they, that. They, they, they that it may still be going on right now. Um, and um, so I I I don't know that they, that they've decided what what they can pull out of the um, the mongoose study uh, yet. But I know they're working. I can on imagine it. drones at a scientific conference doing the same thing, looking down and oh, just oh, tracking all the oh, I see. scientists at the convention and. I, I thought you were talking. Okay, yeah. You, you mean drones, the airplanes? Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
Sorry. No, uh, that, was, <laughs> that, that was a little bit of a that was a little yeah, not, not uh, uh, that was a little honeybee humor. It's true. That, honeybee humor that um, might have. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, you talking about bees though brings up kind of an interesting thing. Is this something that you observe in you social animals or insects? And what is that, like, Gabby? So, you, example, things you that have means uh, what? Yeah. So you social animals have, um, and they might be able to provide a better definition for this, but their their members are specialized physically. Um, so this is where you get like bee queens uh-huh. versus bee workers versus bee drones. Um, similarly, we've talked about it for eusocial mammals, which are naked mole rats, where they also have a queen who's fairly different, although is actually like a, a changed member of one of them. Like she's not born right. specifically as a queen. Yeah. Um, but essentially, it's a very different structure. It's like a social structure that's enforced in the physical appearance and uh, I'm going to say arrangement of that organism in this, for ants because they mm-hmm. can look very different. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's yeah, that that that, that that's that, that pretty much captures it. And, and and again, like I think you, one of the key things is often that there are individuals who who do all the reproducing for the group, and everybody else is pretty much there to uh, to help those individuals. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, you know, there's um, uh, there is some interesting work going on uh, on power in, in, in animals like that. Um, maybe the most famous example um, is the um, Argentine ants. And so um, these are really, oh, yeah. really nasty little critters. Um, but what makes them um, really different from a lot of um, a lot of other insects and a lot of different uh, other animals is that they have to, to talk about having large groups doesn't do this justice. There are colonies of these um, Argentine ants that probably have trillions of individuals and the, and, 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 and the colonies. So um, there's a lot of them. They they were introduced into the United States about, I don't know, 120 years ago on some boat that had come over with fruit on it or something like this. And there are colonies in California where a lot of this work is done. There are colonies that run 600 miles long and 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 the incredible yeah yeah the incredible thing is so they have trillions of individuals (laughs) and the incredible thing is no matter where you go in that 600 miles if you moved ants from one spot to 599 miles away to that other place in the colony they all treat each other as if they're part of the same group and I have to say, is, I find that kind it, of unsettling. Yeah, well, think about it as an Argentine <laughs> ant. It's it's very unsettling for 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 them when 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 what happens is that you know you get these giant six hundred mile long colonies, but there are other giant colonies, and so you get this very again. It's 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 eerily um, human like in the sense that within an Argentine ant nation state that 600 miles all the ants love each other and all the ants do things to help others in that nation state but wow when the two when two state you know two of these nation states meet each other at the border i mean they make the mongooses we just 
talked about look like Boy Scouts. I mean, they they are the, the battles that go on there at these borders between these giant trillion colony sized ant groups. You can you can literally have a battle that occurs, and and these battles they, they occur like on someone's driveway sometimes. I mean, this is out in California, and and it just so happens that you know the border is kind of running along this stretch that includes a, a, a little subdivision, and when a fight happens between these two groups, it is just brutal. I mean, you can have literally hundreds of thousands of victims dead in one day. I mean. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the battle of the sum. I mean, no, it is. It, it, I mean, I mean, you go there, and yeah, it's like, right. uh, and it's just, you know, they just rip each other to pieces. And so, what you've got is this, 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 this scenario where, where what happens within the group power wise is so different from what happens between groups. As long as it's, as long as it's within that group, even if it's trillions of individuals, everything's okay. But when other wow. group when other groups are encroaching on your territory, all you know, no holes barred. They just rip each other. They just rip each other to pieces until they settle it, and then nothing. And then and and then everything is you know. And 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 a lot of this in the ants is like in the mongooses. They're they're seeing and what's going on with the ants, it's much more chemical. So they're, you know, they know mm. that another group is getting too close, um, mostly from like the chemical emissions that they, they, that they pick up wow. from, from those other groups. And, and it, it's every, in the air. That's right. Every yeah. group has its own kind of signature smell. At, um, and, and wow. when things get nasty, they get really nasty. Man, now, there is so much movie material here. Go I ahead, Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to just say, I feel like it's important to note, like, you know, when you say the 600 uh, mile range too, um, their the, the range is California. Like that, mm -hmm. the, the super right, colony right. is right. California. So if right. you need like an idea of what to think of it, it's not like some weird Wendy path or what have you. Wow. It's California and then much <laughs> of the subsequent so adjacent like California states California versus are New Mexico this kind super of, colony. or yeah. Nevada or something. Not versus, yeah, they a, also take over yeah. New Mexico, too. It's The ants have taken over a pretty big chunk of territory. So it's, you know, 600 miles, it sounds like a lot, but to give you maybe like a, a more geographic picture of how yeah. big yeah, it is. And, and there's a red imported fire yeah. ant, too, that... Um, its range is is Texas through yeah. West Virginia, yeah, you know, we, well, I think. <laughs> and it, like down it, into Florida. It, yeah. It's yeah, I mean the, pe the, the people who were studying those Argentine ants. Um, yeah, I was talking about the California battles, but but in fact, they don't. They're not sure, but they think that all of Europe may be a single Argentine ant colony, meaning that genetically they all recognize each other as part of the same group. And of course, you can imagine that um, you know you get all these battles between these groups but but if you sort of think about okay so why why do you see this kind of extreme aggression going on if you think about 
the other species that happen to be in the way. I mean, the Argentine ants are like a steamroller, right? There are all these other ant species mm-hmm. and all these other insect species that um, that just get steamrolled because you have basically a nation state that is doing everything as a unit. And so that's why they're, you know, it, it's, it's like this it's like a snowball. Once once they st- start get go- get going, then they keep moving and basically wiping out all the competitors along the way. And that's how you can get that big is if you have a very, very strong hmm. sense of identity. That is totally amazing. Wow. So they're more politically stable than the <laughs> EU. Yeah. They have achieved mm-hmm. one, you know, one Europe. That's right. That's right. There. Um, but then again, the, the borders of Europe, unfortunately, as in the ant world, uh, remain a bit uh, uh, hostile. Um, the, Lee, thank yes. you. This is what a spectacular cinematic uh, tour you've, you've taken us on. We began with a few, a few uh, quarreling ravens. In the, in the lovely mountains of Austria, and we wound up with uh, super colonies in Argentina. Extraordinary. Um, Lee's book, check it out. I know I am going to. Uh, is called Power in the Wild, The Subtle and Not-So-Subtle Ways <laughs> Animals Strive for Control Over Others. Um, and it's available everywhere, I assume. Is there a particular place you prefer people to go? or? Oh, you- no, I mean... Anywhere you want to buy it is fine with me. Uh, and the University of Chicago, the, certainly the University of Chicago website is an easy way. And then, of course, Amazon and things like that. So, right. Um, right. Yeah. Fantastic. And I'll, I'll put a link on our, uh, on the website and in the show notes. Yeah, we have, that, we, have so. a kin- we have a Kindle version as well if people prefer that. So. Right on. Right on. And I imagine it, if not yet, it will be in many languages, including Argentinian uh, or maybe you know Spanish for the Argentinian ants or Austrian. For the, one one would hope, and maybe you know maybe even in Raven, we'll see. In Raven, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. Um, thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Um, I just want to give a, a quick heads up that uh, Patreon members are going to get a, a special after show discussion, a little brief chit chat we're going to do uh, after the show, only for Patreon members. So if you are if you are not a member yet, go ahead and join and you'll find that as well as all kinds of other cool things you can get for being a member. Patreon.com slash what the if or just go to our website, what the if.com. Um, Gabby, is there anything you want to plug coming up for yourself this week? Yeah. Um, so uh, one of my short stories, um, A Sword Between the Stars, is going to appear in Neon Hemlock's uh, Luminescent Machinations um, anthology in the fall. I don't have a solid release date yet, um, but it is available for pre-order through Neon Hemlock in case you are curious ah. about um, my story, the Fantastic. anthology, what a, have you. Send me the link for that, and I'll put that in the notes. Very and it's Neon Hemlock's and something Machinations? Luminescent Machinations, Queer Tales of Monumental Invention is the full title and subtitle is, of the anthology. Syllable. Yeah, that's <laughs> a love. pretty serious title. Oh, yeah, they went hard. <laughs> Matt, how about you? Would you like to plug anything? Plug, uh, unplug. No, I'm plugless at the moment. Purely acoustic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, will, you, will you take anything, Matt? Will you take any of these lessons back to your uh, karate class? Will you maybe screech? Um, well, let's, I mean, if I can, if I can bring thirty mongooses along with me, um, <laughs> I will feel much more a secure. real posse. Um, <laughs> so I will begin 
I will begin accepting donations of monkeys. <laughs> I was going to wonder what this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so, uh, in closing, Lee, I'm not sure if you're familiar. We have a, a closing ritual. Um, and so, Matt, could you could you help Lee understand our the social behavior that we've developed inexplicably to close out our show? Um, yeah, so it's the, the way we demonstrate podcast solidarity uh, so as to intimidate <laughs> anyone trying to take over our territory uh, is we, we shout the name of the show uh, in unison quite slowly um, to uh, terrify yes. we go the like, onlookers. What? Um, uh, if, and, and Gabby, what is, it, what is the motivation? What's our motivation for? What, what gets us into this, this emotional state that causes us to shout the name of the show? Yeah, you know, uh, right now, as we just got completely zapped back into the body of a raven that's being beat up by a much, much larger raven, and we are stared at by onlookers of our friends and relatives and Patreon members, we uh, cannot help but shout for help with the so, name of the show. Okay. So if you'll join me. I don't know what I just said in Raven, but I hope it was polite. Uh, Lee, thank you. Lee Dugatkin, thank you very much. Uh, the book Power in the Wild, check it out from University of Chicago. Gabby and Matt, thank you as always for visiting us. Patreon members, thank you. Patreon.com slash what if. Remember, have a little post-show chit-chat, which you can find on that Patreon page exclusively for you. Um, we are open to anybody, by the way. If you have any ideas, any comments about the show, shoot us an email, feedback at whattheif.com, and find us on Twitter, What the If Show. Thank you all for listening. See you next week. Thank you.